This is the weekly sermon from Church of the Holy Trinity in Houston, Texas, a Reformed Episcopal parish of the Anglican Church in North America. Please join us on Sundays for worship at 9, 11, and 5, and visit us online at holytrinityrec.org. Please enjoy the sermon. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. These words of comfort from Jonathan to his friend David were well needed. David's travails continued from last week's reading at the beginning of chapter 23 of 1 Samuel after saving the city of Keilah and God then telling David that Keilah as a city at the first chance would surrender him to Saul. David was fleeing, as we've been reading in in this book, from place to place for his dear life, along with fellow outcasts of Israel. These 600 fellow outcasts had shown their willingness to serve God and David through saving the town, as we read last week. Often in the faith, as it is here with David that we've been reading, when it, thing, when it seems that things might finally settle down after a tense time of trial and tribulations, times often become harsh again, seeming to pile on top of each other. It seems as if we're drowning. And this is where David found himself in this passage and, quite frankly, throughout his life. As we see in the Gospels, our Savior Jesus Christ, the Son of God, calms the storms of life, whether a literal storm on the sea or through healing those that are sick, those that are at the point of death, raising the dead. He alone, as we read in the Gospels, is the hiding place of his people, our refuge, our way through everything that we encounter. He did this for David, and he continues to do so for all of us to this moment and for the rest of our lives. Today, let us continue our series on 1 Samuel through reading our reading today at the end of this chapter, chapter 23. First part of the reading starts with what David needed. At this time in his life, this time in the midst of hardships, he needed encouragement. After reading that he had placed himself in the wilderness of Ziph at Horish, we read the following in verse 16. And Jonathan, Saul's son, rose and went to David at Horish and strengthened his hand in God. As we know, David was facing tremendous pressure from Saul and many parts of Israel loyal to Saul. They were willing to do the bidding of Saul at any moment. And Jonathan, through all of this, went to see his friend, to become present with him. In such times, it can feel as if we're alone. We need help. With coming to encourage his friend, Jonathan said the following in verse 17, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Saul, my father, also knows this. 
when confronted by falsehood as we always are, attacking our resolve to be obedient to God, we must stay grounded in the truth of God, in his word, in the promises that he has given us in his word. David knew this, but he still needed help. He still needed the presence of his dear friend that was willing to risk his own life to come to the wilderness to say these words in person to his friend David. As we read in the epistle today from Ephesians with the well-known and comforting passage about the whole armor of God, it's key that we see this armor as being within the context of the church, the body of Christ, to see that it is speaking in the context of us not being alone, but with fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. With Jonathan coming and uttering the truth of David's calling, embracing this truth through full support, vowing that he would stand by David even when he would become king. It served to strengthen David's hand at this moment, to prepare him for what was about to occur. David needed to hear this truth anew, even though he knew it. It is telling at the end of this particular part of our passage that these two friends once again make a covenant before the Lord. Our very presence often with each other in the church of Jesus Christ is of great import, as it is here with Jonathan to his friend. Too often when we face the battles of this life, when we are fighting the good fight, we get so stuck in our ways that we lose sight of the basics of our profession in Jesus Christ, of the truth of our standing in Christ as his saved people. In the body of Christ, we lose sight even of the body of Christ that is there to help us. We overcomplicate things at times to think that we must face our enemies alone, that we must work in our own strength and our own power. But this is far from the truth. One element many suffer from in the daily grind of life is to let fear consume them. And this is why. Jonathan opened with these dear words from Scripture that we not only see here but throughout. Do not fear. When these words are used in the Bible, it's used to relieve people, to encourage people, to build people up, especially when they're facing a trial. It is what David needed. It is what every one of us needs in Christ. David was facing barrage after barrage of attack for simply following the instructions of God. When we face as well barrage after barrage of attacks, setbacks, and everything else in life, we need our fellow Christians to remind us of our status in Christ, that we must cling to Christ alone, that we must come to him alone through everything, repeatedly. For us, Jesus ultimately is faithful to all of us, lifting us in his name to continue to do his will. The next verses speak of why David at this particular time needed the presence of his friend Jonathan to come to bring these words. We read in verses 19 through 24 that the clan of Judah where David was residing and hiding sought out King Saul, trying to turn David over to him. The the Ziphites said the following, to the king at the end of verse 20. And our part shall be to surrender him into the king's hand. King Saul, of course, responds 
with his continued delusion and glee, thinking that finally God was on his side. He then tells the Ziphites to take good care, to make sure that all of David's hideouts were well known, and so that when it was time, he would come and successfully find his enemy David. Up to this point, David only experienced the warnings of God for the potential of fellow Israelites turning him in. Now the stage is set for David to come very close, to capture, to murder. Psalm 54 was a psalm written in response to this situation. As verse 3 describes the Ziphites from the tongue of David. For strangers have risen against me. Ruthless men seek my life. They do not set God before themselves. As Saul's murderous intent continues, people of Israel have the choice between serving God through supporting David or supporting evil in doing the bidding of Saul. All knew that King Saul was capable of gross disobedience of God's direct commandments and also the murder of his own people, even God's priests. Here, David finds no help, no counsel except from God alone. The last part of chapter 23 contains the account where Saul seeks the life of David. The language, as you remember, is fast moving with David moving to avoid imminent capture. Things come to a head in verse 26 where we read, Saul went on one side of the mountain and David and his men were on the other side of the mountain and David was hurrying to get away from Saul. Things look very bleak for David and his men. David, as always, and as we will continue to read through the rest of this book, sought every way possible to avoid open battle with Saul and his men. David, as we keep reading, never wanted to take the chance that he or his men might kill King Saul. David wanted to avoid taking matters into his own hands. David wanted to leave all of this into the hands of God. In this faithfulness, we read the following in verse 27, with Saul seemingly on the verge of catching David. A messenger came to Saul saying, Hurry and come, for the Philistines have made a raid against the land. From here, Saul stops suddenly and goes up against the Philistines, making the place that they stopped known as the Rock of Escape. What stopped King Saul? He was so close here. Perhaps he was becoming wary of the fact that the nation might have started to view him with suspicion as king. So far as we read in his open pursuit of the Lord's anointed, he murdered the men, women, and children of a priestly city. And David even saved one of his cities from a Philistine raid, and that Saul was even prepared to destroy that city to capture David. Without God on his side, Saul had to do all he could to keep up his outward appearances, to remain somewhat popular with his people, that he was actually doing the job that he was called to do to be their king, to defend their land from their enemies. God uses this external pressure of the Philistines to preserve the anointed of the Lord and David to be able to escape, as we read in verse 29. As we continue to meditate upon the travails of David before he was made king of Israel, remember that nothing in the faith 
is easy. God provides his help and his grace to make it through to his glory over and over again in our lives, making us all know that we are in the arms of our dear shepherd. Yes, at times it does not look good from the perspective of human eyes, human intellect. Yet God calls us in faith repeatedly to stand therefore in Christ. We read of David doing all we read of in the epistle today about the spiritual weapons given to us by God to stand strong in God alone and in the strength that he provides over our strength. May we remain connected to Jesus Christ and the power and strength of his name and his church, his body, through all we endure. We do not fight as this world fights. Rather, we remain in his holy word through prayer, praying at all times in the spirit, as we read, which is the word of God. He alone prepares us with encouragement of each other in the faith, as Jonathan did for David. Do not fear. You shall be king over Israel, and I will be next to you. Amen.